Well, this morning we start a new series on the Ten Commandments. Now, don't open your Bibles yet. You know, the Ten Commandments are in the news a lot. They have been in the past. Battles over whether, you know, they can be posted in public places and, and the fight goes on about that. So, this morning, I just wonder, how many of the Ten Commandments can you name? Now, this is what I'd like for you to do. If you have a piece of paper and a pen, I want you to number to ten and see how many of them you can write out. If you have your phones with you, go to the notes section. Now, no cheating today. God's watching. So, so no cheating. You can get the notes section and see how many of them you can type in there. Or if you have neither paper nor a phone that you can do that, you can just run through them in your mind and then be honest in a few moments when we see how well we've done on this test. Now, I went to Erica this morning and asked her if she could give us some music to think by this morning. So she's going to play a little music here as I give you an opportunity to write out the Ten Commandments. You're still writing, so she's going to keep playing. <laughs> Last time through. <laughs> Thank you, Erica. Now, I wonder if you were on Jeopardy and the final category was God of the Old Testament, how much you would have wagered and how much, uh, how many of these you would get right. Can we bring them up on the screen, please? The Ten Commandments. Look and see how well you did for a moment. How many of you got all 10 of them? Stand up if you got all 10 of them. Stay, stay standing for a moment for those of you that got all, oh, not many of us this morning. All right. Take your Bibles now. Join me in Exodus chapter 20. 
Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible or a phone to bring it up on, you'll see it on the screen. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. This morning we begin a 10-week series on the Ten Commandments. We are going to take one commandment each week. You know, it's strange times in which we live today. Strange times when people would think it was dangerous to post the Ten Commandments uh, in a school or in a courthouse and to have them where people could read them and see them. Uh, recently, a Gallup poll was taken. 84% of Americans believe that the Ten Commandments are a valid guide to live by. And that's very encouraging until you find out in that same survey only 30% of those polled could even name three of the commandments. So they're very important to guide our life, but we just don't know what they are. Uh, Mark Twain told the story of a man that he knew who memorized the Ten Commandments, and he told Mark Twain his ambition was to go to the Holy Land, stand on the mountain, and recite loudly the Ten Commandments. Twain replied, have you ever thought about just staying home and keeping them? As we look at the Ten Commandments this morning, and uh, much of this morning is going to be introductory as we talk about the commandments, I want us to see the Ten Commandments stated. The Ten Commandments stated. What are they? And once again, we're going to bring them up on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to read these together. Each week that I preach in here dealing with the Ten Commandments, we're going to read them together because repetition helps us in memorizing. So let's read them together. Do not worship any other gods. Do not make idols. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false witness, do not covet. You can be seated. These Ten Commandments are, are found here in Exodus chapter uh, 20. Now, it may surprise some of you, but some groups number the Ten Commandments in different ways. What we just read together is typically the Ten Commandments that evangelicals uh, recognize. But other groups number them differently. For example, the Jewish people count the opening statement as a commandment and com combine some of the other commandments. The Roman Catholic Church and Lutheran churches combine the first two commandments and split the last 
It really doesn't matter how you count them or exactly what you put in the list as long as you're encompassing all of them and as long as you make sure you don't leave any of them out. The Bible, when it speaks of the two commandments, will refer to them as the two tables of law. And that is reflecting the fact that God wrote the original Ten Commandments with his hand on the, the tablet. So the question is asked, people ask the question, well, what commandments went on which tablet? And the Bible doesn't tell us. Now, there's three different theories to it. Uh, one theory is that the first five are written on one tablet, and the second five are written on the other uh, tablet. Uh, they believe that because the phrase, the Lord your God, is mentioned in the first five commandments, but is not mentioned in the last five commandments. Now others say, no, the way they're divided is on one tablet is commandments one through four, because they deal with your relationship with God. And on the second table are commandments uh, 5 through 10 because they deal with your relationship with one another. And then there's another theory that on one tablet are written 1 through 10 and on the other tablet are written 1 through 10. That would take the form of treaties of the, those days to where each person would get a copy of the contract. When you sign a contract with someone, an agreement, whoever you're making the agreement with, they get a copy of the contract, and you get a copy of the contract. So it is thought that both tablets contained all ten of the commandments. And so, because God doesn't really need a copy of his commandments, he gave both of them to Moses and had him put them in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, we don't know exactly what is on each of those tablets. Maybe someday the Ark of the Covenant will be rediscovered and we might find out what is written on each of the tablets. And if not, when we get to heaven, I'm sure that's uh, something that Moses can give us an answer uh, to. Did you recognize that sometimes people say, well, one of the mistakes we have in the Bible is because is that we have two different versions of the Ten Commandments. We have a version in Exodus chapter 20, and then there's a different version over in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And because they are not identical in exact wording, uh, we can't be sure of the Ten Commandments. Well, that's really not a problem. In Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding the people of the Ten Commandments that were given. And as he relates to the commandments, he expands on them and he talks about them with the people. In other words, Moses was preaching to the people. And if you look at the two different passages, there is nothing of the substance of the Ten Commandments that is different, even though the wording may be a little bit different between the two passages. That's the Ten Commandments stated. 
The next thing I want us to see is the Ten Commandments summarized. The Ten Commandments can be broken down into two different sets of commandments. In Matthew chapter 22, in verses 34 to 40, we have Jesus dealing with this question of the law. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What's Jesus saying there? He says we can summarize the Ten Commandments. We can summarize all of the law, all the parts of the Old Testament that are referred to as the law, and not only those first five books that are called the law, but also all the prophets of the Old Testament. We can summarize all that they have to say in two commandments. Love God with your entire being, your heart, your soul, your mind. Your strength. A different passage is put it different ways. But it means to, with all that is within you, with all that we are, we are to obey, honor, and worship God. And the second is like the first. The second greatest commandment is what? We are to love our neighbor as ourself. We're to love one another. And if we love God and obey God, and if we love one another, we will fulfill all of the Ten Commandments. So they can be summarized for us in those two great statements. That's the Ten Commandments summarized. Next, I want us to see the Ten Commandments purpose. What is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? Now, there seems to be today some debate in evangelical circles as to whether the Ten Commandments are even relevant to us uh, today. Uh, one well-known author has written in one of his books the following. The Ten Commandments have no authority over you. None. To be clear, thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't believe the author who wrote this would really say that you shouldn't obey any of the Ten Commandments. He just wants to make it clear that we're not under the law, but we are under grace. Especially when nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament. And you'll just have to come in each week for the series if you don't know which one's not uh, repeated in the New Testament. Uh, we will get to that in 
the series. But there is a purpose for the law. And the scriptures are clear to us what that purpose is. In Romans chapter 3, in verse 20, we are told, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Now let's make it clear here for a second. You will not be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. First of all, there's nobody here who has perfectly kept all ten of the commandments. And never once broken any of them. So by striving to keep the law, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be saved by striving to keep the Ten Commandments because Paul goes on and writes, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. What does the the law do for us? It tells us what sin is. It tells us what is that that we are falling short of the glory of God. It tells us how we are out of relationship with God. It shows to us that we are sinners. And newsflash this morning, you can't be saved without recognizing that you are a sinner. If your opinion of yourself is, hey man, I'm pretty good, you've arrived at that by comparing yourself to somebody else. And this is amazing. When we choose to compare ourselves to someone else, who do we choose? (laughs) We choose those better than us or worse than us. Well, after all, I'm better than Hitler, so God should take me into heaven. That's easy pickings, isn't it? That's easy pickings to find someone that we are better than. But it's not about being better than. It's about recognizing we are sinners who have fallen short the glory of God. And we are in need of a Savior. The law shows us we need that Savior. We also see over in James chapter 2 in verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. You know, sometimes I meet people that they'll say, oh, I'm not that bad. I've never murdered anybody. You know, I I never stole from anyone. Well, did you always obey your father and mother? What? That happens to be one of the commandments, too. Did you ever take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain? Did you ever have a God before him? See, the the Ten Commandments are like like links of a chain. If you break one of them, you've broken the chain. And you stand guilty before God. So what is the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show us we are sinners. And that we need a Savior. Now, I want to zero in this morning 
on command number one. Command number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Let that sink in for a moment. Say it together with me again. You shall have no other gods before me. Mark Deaver, who pastors uh, Capital Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., and a very well-known, influential uh, speaker around the country, was in a doctoral seminar that he was teaching when one of the, the people in the seminar by the name of Bill responded politely but firmly after Mark Deaver had made a statement about God, uh, Bill said, well, I like to think of God rather differently. For several minutes, Bill painted a picture of a friendly deity. He said he liked to think of God as being wise, but not meddling. Compassionate, but never overpowering. Ever so resourceful, but never interrupting. This, said Bill in conclusion, is how I like to think about God. Mark Deaver responded, thank you Bill for letting us know so much about yourself, but we are here today to study God. See, we're living in an age in which people create God in their own image, the way that they want God to be. You know, that's why we, we keep hearing, Jesus is very popular with people, but Christianity is not. Jesus is very popular, but the church, eh, we don't want anything to do with the church. And if you start digging in with individuals, you will find that how they view Jesus is far removed from what the scriptures describe to us as the Son of God. And our God is a jealous God. And our God says, you're not to have any other gods before me. The word no in this passage, you shall have no other gods before me, is very emphatic. It is an absolute prohibition about having gods before him. There's no wiggle room in this. It is absolute. You shall have no other gods before me. It's the same word that's used in the scripture to describe the relationship, marriage relationship, between a husband and wife. It's, it's the statement of the husband saying to the wife, you shall have no other husbands but me. You shall have no other lovers but me. And it's the same thing of the wife saying to the husband, you shall have no other wives but me. You shall have no other lovers but me. An absolute prohibition. Exclusive, total loyalty to be given to God. 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now those words, before me, the scholars really debate what exactly does it mean to be before him. Actually, the the words literally say, say, to my face. You shall have no other gods to my face. It's actually uh, something that we use and, and we say today, you shall have no other gods in my face. Have you ever told someone, back off, you're in my face? They're in your space there? Uh, move back. I can remember years ago uh, when I was in the car business, And I had a major disagreement with the general manager. I was a sales manager. He was the general manager. And he was furious with me. Uh, We used to be able to tell how furious he was by how many times he would come back into our office. He was a former Marine drill sergeant. Had a very vile mouth. And on top of that, he was a heavy drinker. And I picked the wrong time to tell him that one of our employees needed to be fired. I didn't recognize that he had been out drinking all day with that employee. So he's drunk. He's mad. And I counted once into the office. Two times in the office, he's pretty upset today. Back. Three times into the office, he is really upset because this is the maximum times he ever comes back into the office. So it was past quitting time, so I got my stuff up, and I started to walk out the door, and here he came for time number four. And I'd had enough. And typically, I'm pretty good if I'm sitting down and you're yelling at me. But if you're standing up and I'm standing up, and I really have to fight this because what I typically do is move right into your face. (laughs) So I am face to face. Our noses are almost touching. He is screaming and yelling at me. The spit is flying. I mean, he is... And I wasn't backing down. I went face to face with him. I did not behave in a good Christian way. I confess that to you. I sinned that day. But I was in his face. We were face to face. God saying, Don't get in my face. Don't put anything in my face. There is nothing that comes between us. Nothing is more important to me. I am a jealous God. God will not tolerate us having other gods. You know, Israel always struggled with idolatry. 
You know, Abraham, who followed God, came out of a land of idolatry. Abraham's father worshipped idols. It's very likely that before God appeared to Abraham, that Abraham had worshipped idols. As we follow the, the Old Testament, you'll find that when Jacob and Rachel were fleeing from Rachel's father Laban, that Rachel took her father's gods and took them with her. Joshua, in his great speech to the nation of Israel, and what she says, choose this day who it is you're going to serve. Joshua tells them in his message, when the people say, we will serve the Lord, Joshua said to them, no, you won't. And no, you haven't. You have served gods of your own making. You have served the gods of the nations around you. And God will not let that go on. Finally, once the nation of Israel was taken into captivity for 70 years for their sins against God, it seems to have cured them of having idols and cured them of serving other gods. But today we want to make this message relevant for us. And the question is, what gods do we serve? What do we put before God? What do you love the most? Is it God? Or is it something else? Where do we commit most of our time? What do we give our efforts to? What are we focused on? What is it that would stand in the way of us serving God? Anything that we would put in the face of God. Anything that we would put before Him is another God. And we are to have no other gods before Him. See, the law shows us that we're sinners. And if we're all honest here this morning and completely transparent, we would all have to admit there are times that we have put other things before God. There are times when we have put something else face to face with our God and we have chosen it. So we're convicted. We might say we're busted. We failed. But God sent his son, who perfectly kept all of these ten commandments, and then went to a cross and died for us, so that we could be saved. If you recognize there, you're a sinner this morning, call on the Lord. For whoever calls on him shall be saved. The Talibo people of Indonesia 
were being reached out by two missionary families from New Tribes Mission. They moved in and lived with them and learned their language. They began teaching them the scriptures, starting with the book of Genesis, which is the New Tribes methodology, and working from the Old Testament up to Christ. After the missionaries had taught the people the Ten Commandments, a group of men from the tribe visited the missionaries at their hut. They said, we're in big trouble with God. God's law tells us not to kill, but we have killed other men. God's law tells us not to steal, but we have stolen. We have broken God's commandments, but we did not know God commanded these things. From now on, we will keep God's commands. A couple of weeks later, they returned to the missionary's hut. We are now in really big trouble with God. Now we know God's commands, but we still break them. And that's why God gave us the Ten Commandments. So that we will know we are sinners in need of a Savior. Aren't you glad if you know him as Savior? Aren't you glad that he is compassionate and forgiving? And when we confess our sins and when we repent from our sins, he forgives us and puts us in right standing with God. Oh, how much we praise him for that. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, And you say, I know I'm a sinner now. Talk to one of us before you leave so that you can know that you're a child of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for how clear it is, Lord. Thank you for giving us the law so that we might know that we are sinners and cause us through your spirit to turn to you and be saved. Help us, Father, to live in a way that will honor you this week. Help us to put nothing before you. Have nothing of greater importance than to honor and serve you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.